right, hello, and welcome to the, I think, 11th episode of the Killing Time podcast. My name is Arch Grieve. I'm coming at you from Dayton, Ohio. And today we have a uh, guest who is a good friend of mine. His name is Casey. And uh, Casey's an attorney for the IUE CWA. Uh, he's also an avid reader and a great guitarist. I, I like playing guitar with him a lot of times, and um, we've we've jammed together before. So um, I'm gonna give him a call and see what he's up to. Hello, sir. How are you doing? Hey, I'm good. How are you? Good, good, man, good. <laughs> Sorry no, about I don't that. know too much about this. Do I? Uh, did, are we just going to do it on a phone call, or uh, should we do Skype or Google calls or something like that? No, this actually this works really well. I just I have you on uh, speakerphone and I got a microphone, and uh, it's been picking them up pretty well. Okay, great. So, um, so how's everything going? Oh, man. Um, you know, it's interesting because I've always been kind of a homebody, so this is uh, just slightly more intense than my normal routine. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, yeah, so uh, the, the one thing that is difficult is it certainly changed the nature of my work. You know, I had no office to force me to concentrate. Right. Um, you know, I had no office to force structure to my day. So I've been trying to maintain that structure, um, keep, you know, I've set up home offices, you know, at, at my girlfriend's house, at my house to try to do that. But it's hard to maintain the same work routine. Oh, yeah. I will say that, though, um, every now and then I find a, a project that I'm passionate about. I put in more hours than usual, but oh, sometimes sure. that's a problem of having the ability to take a break and watch Netflix very easily <laughs> just to be honest yeah no i that makes total sense i was i was briefly working from home before they just decided that the city workers are non-essential staff and so it was it was really hard for me to kind of avoid that sometimes that pull to want to say like oh, i'll just i'll pick those hours up later <laughs> Yeah, it's very easy to say. I'll do that later this evening. <laughs> it's much harder to actually do it later that evening, right? Right. Um, well, so I guess, yeah, that was one of my questions was you, you guys are just continuing to work remotely now. Is that's, that's what's happened where you work? Yeah, I'm still working remotely, but it, it, it's drastically, the COVID-19 crisis has drastically changed the nature of my work. I mean, oh, really? I, yeah, oh yeah, because... And, and I should say, you, you know, you're with the IUE CWA, and you're an, you're an attorney there. Right, right. So the IUE CWA is the International Union of Electrical Workers. It's a uh, union... The IUE is a union that started uh, mainly with GE. It was in, in the big oh. organizing drives of the 1930s uh, in the CIO. And I don't know if your uh, if, if your listeners know the difference between the AFL and the CIO. I doubt it. Okay. <laughs> so the, the uh, only AFL because only because American. I don't know if I have any listeners. Uh, so just explain, please. <laughs> <laughs> well, I will, I will explain the difference 
for the one person that listens to your podcast. Thank you. <laughs> they appreciate so, it. Yeah, so the AFL is is um, the American Federation of Labor, and it is one of the oldest, um, I guess you could say, coalitions of unions. So it's a coalition of unions, right? Oh, it's, gotcha. it's a bunch of different unions. Both the CIO and the AFL are coalitions of unions. There are a bunch of different unions that agree to establish what you would call uh, like an umbrella organization that tries to guide the lobbying and guide coordinated um, actions and, and, and sure. tries to diffuse conflicts between unions, right? right? Yeah. So that unions, instead of fighting each other, are, are fighting for workers against the power of big corporations. So Absolutely. the American Federation of Labor is the older uh, coalition of unions and it mostly focused on skilled workers, right? Uh, like, mm -hmm. and these workers are much more easy to unionize if you've ever, whether you've been in management or or um, or on the union side, you understand that generally skilled workers are way more unionized than non-skilled workers. And what do I mean by that? I mean like, electricians are much easier to unionize than um, fast food workers. And right. why is that? Because electricians are limited, and uh, generally the electrical unions control the vast majority of the people who can who can do it in a safe manner. So mm -hmm. it's not very hard to to cut off a corporation's supply of electricians, um, and they're not very easily to replace at all. Right? You can't just bring in people off the street to be, you know, fully uh, capable electricians. Right. So uh, the AFL has, uh, you know, been in charge of skilled workers, and um, and generally, uh, I guess in terms of left wing circles and union circles, the AFL history ha is is somewhat controversial because people look on the AFL as kind of a a more conservative force. Really, that's interesting. And, yeah, yeah. In the in the history of unions, the AFL is looked upon as a conservative force because um, uh, they they didn't want to focus on larger issues of society. They didn't want to focus on um, controversial issues. Uh, they just wanted to get the best wages and benefits for their skilled workers members, mm -hmm. uh, and they did that on purpose because I think they didn't want to be crushed. You know, right. uh, so it's 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 a fine line between. Um, it's always been this kind of debate inside of unionism: is do we focus on the bigger picture, which is like the working working class people as a whole right. across the nation, across the world, um, which obviously is very important, right? Because if you only have a small little enclave of well paid workers, then those labor standards are going to be threatened by the larger populist who doesn't have those uh, sure. wages and, and benefits, right? Because the labor competition is going to undercut your wages and benefits. Right. So there's always been this debate inside the labor movement about whether to be about your bread and butter issues, which is like your benefits and your wages, or whether it be about a more, you know, a different vision for society to fight for the big changes in working class standards across all of society, not just your membership. Well, and so where does uh, the IUE fall within that kind of spectrum, I guess? Yeah, and I'm, I'm glad that you pulled me back because I can get lost in uh, 
telling you about <laughs> this and that. Uh, okay. But so the CIO, uh, the Congress of Industrial uh, Organizations, um, started in the uh, uh, the 20s and the 30s, and it really it really started big time in the uh, 30s. And the uh, the breakoff of the CIO from the AFL was that AFL wanted no part of quote unquote non skilled workers inside of the massive factories, right? Okay. So, um, and, and you know, back in the 30s and 40s, the factories were just larger, right? There was just you know more workers inside of each factory, less machinery, etc. So, you know, there were hundreds of thousands of workers inside of massive factories. You know, um, like the old Ford plant was astonishingly huge. Mm -hmm. Um, But so the Congress of Industrial Organizations wanted to organize these unskilled workers. And, of course, they received um, uh, actually some of the first legislation that allowed unionization to occur without, you know, um, without the courts stepping in to block workers from organizing, to block workers from exercising their rights to stop work, to, to block them from exercising their rights to call for a boycott if they wanted to of, a, of an employer that was, you know, acting badly. Mm-hmm. So, and that, that was in the 1930s, uh, Franklin Roosevelt. And so the Congress of Industrial Organizations and the IUE was the big um, industrial union and in uh, GE, General Electric. So okay. that's why it's called the International Union of Electrical Workers. It was a, it was, it started as a union for General Electric. And then there's also an interesting Cold War um, history of the IUE, where uh, there is, there's also a union called the Huge, and that is the United Workers of, yeah, you, know, you know, the United Electrical Workers. Oh, okay. And yeah, and so the UE and the IUE, they used to be all the UE in the 1930s and 40s. And in the late 40s and the early 50s, the IUE broke off of the UE because this was the time of the uh, increasing increasing fear of the Soviet Union, uh, the increasing sure. arms race, um, you know, uh, the... Uh, we had, quote-unquote, just lost China, I guess you could say, right? Mao Zedong had, had defeated Chiang Kai-shek and took over China in 1949. The Soviets blew up their first nuclear weapon in 1949. So mm-hmm. there was this, you know, kind of terror of communism. And the, uh, uh, and the, uh, uh, in all parts of society, you know, including the Democratic Party, the Republican Party, unions, everywhere, government, you know, socialists and communists had a target on their back. And uh, that included in unions. And uh, the IUE and the UE broke off, uh, the IUE broke off from the UE. Okay. um, In a a series of elections uh, against each other. And and it it was very, the rhetoric was very inflamed about, you know, who was a communist and who wasn't. Um, and I also think that the U.S. government played a part in helping the IUE, which was the more anti-communist uh, sector of the unions, break off from the UE. And I think that the IUE-UE split is, is a big sign of how the Cold War hurt the labor movement. 
Okay. How so? Um, in, in terms of uh, just uh, splitting workers apart, you know, um, on the basis of somebody who was maybe interested in some socialism, some communism, probably not the dictatorial mm-hmm. type of communism that existed in the Soviet Union or China, but, you know, um, there were obviously some union leaders who who believed in different types of socialism and stuff like that. But right. during the Red Scare, it really, really broke apart the labor movement. And so the IUE-UE split is, is a big sign of that. And I know that's a lot of history there, so <laughs> I'll, I'll uh, pull back for <laughs> I'm glad that we acknowledged <laughs> that, because I, I, yeah, it's like a dissertation you got there on, <laughs> it's fascinating. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, well, once you get me going on these subjects, I can't stop. So, you know, right. feel free to cut in and just and just lead me where you need me to go. Okay, well, let's... I'll talk your ear off about this stuff. Well, let's put that... Let's stick with politics for a bit, but let's bring it up to uh, today a little bit more. And, um, I, you know, I know that you and I, we both love talking politics. And I got to ask you, is, is it going to just be over for Bernie at this point? Or does he still have a chance? You know, it's strange um, because um, in this crisis, you would think that, you know, uh, Bernie Sanders would be the obvious choice for most Americans, being that during this crisis, you've seen <laughs> any thought of, of, you know, libertarianism fly out the window, right? Oh, yeah. You know, kind of Ayn Randian government hands-off nonsense has disappeared from the discourse, right? Yeah, and you only see you only see grumblings about it too. Yeah, everybody's a socialist now. No, as I've said, is like you you only see grumblings of it from the right, and because it's all these Republican leaders that are really the ones that are stepping up and doing stuff. So, right, well, and that's the that's the fascinating thing is is I've always thought that the kind of extreme Ayn Randian libertarian ideology. It's more of just a, uh, I guess you could say, ideological weapon to attack the left. Mm-hmm. I don't really think that these right-wing leaders actually believe any of that nonsense. And right. you can see that, you know, as soon as the crisis hits, nobody is a libertarian, right? right? It's, the libertarianism is out the window, down the toilet drains. Nobody cares about libertarian nonsense. What's yeah. an actual crisis hits? And that includes, you know, all of these people who who rip on the big government uh, all year round, as soon as the crisis hits, everybody is figuring out how to do some type of uh, Rooseveltian policy. Right. And I think, I think the only question is whether your socialist slash Keynesian policies are for the 1% or, or, or for the uh, majority, you know? Mm-hmm. No, that's a great question. Do you think that, I mean, I, I don't know enough about the the most recent bill that passed. Um, was was most of that just pork for the corporations, or was or were the checks that are going out to Americans the biggest part? Well, there was there was there's huge amounts of money uh, that's going out to the corporations. Also, I don't know if you know uh, if you've been following this, but the uh, the Federal Reserve has been spending massive massive trillions of dollars. Uh, in uh, what they call like market market intervention, you know, mm-hmm. by uh, uh, pur- purchasing uh, uh, bonds and trying to prop up the gun- bonds market by purchasing bonds and stuff like that to try to slow the decline of the stock market. Now that's generally failed to a large extent, um, but it definitely shows you 
that, you know, when a crisis starts hitting the stock market, the Federal Reserve has no problem spending trillions and trillions of dollars trying to prop that up. Right. Well, um, no, and, and, and the most recent bill, uh, going, going back to your question, there, there's a lot of money for the big corporations, right? The, yeah. the, the airlines are getting a bailout. Lots of businesses, uh, there's funds available for bailouts. Um, there is money for workers, too, which, I, which is why I think the Democrats and, and progressives voted for this legislation to a large extent also, mm-hmm. is is you had your, you know, your corporate bailouts that the, that the right-wing uh, Republicans and the right-wing Democrats supported, and then you had some pay- payouts to workers. I think that was not enough, but it was a start. Right. And I think everybody is so scared of the bankruptcies that are going to occur, whether it be corporate bankruptcies or personal bankruptcies, that both sides just agreed to kind of give all of this money to both to, to both segments, right? And right. I don't think either side was fully happy with it. Now, the, a lot of these corporate bailouts don't have that many strings, and I think that's why you saw AOC give that speech about, oh, you know, how this was, um, how the money going to these corporations didn't have enough strings attached, right? Uh, as to um, making sure that it's not spent on stock buybacks. I mean, I think there were there were some restrictions on stock buybacks, and okay. uh, and, and to make sure that if they did take this money, that they kept people hired, right? Gotcha. Um, but if they were going to take these loans, they were they have to keep I think ninety percent of the people on the books, right? So they couldn't just oh, take yeah. these loans and just lay off a bunch of people, right? That's good. But I think I think AOC pointed out that a lot of these restrictions are only temporary, right? Mm-hmm. So some of these big corporations can take can take the money from the government and then do a stock buyback six months down the road, right? You <laughs> know, or, or a year down the road or something. So um, and of course the bill is huge, right? So the bill is six hundred, seven hundred pages. I'd be lying to you if I said I read it all. But there are some good provisions in it. Um it's 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 not good enough, and you know I don't know. There's a lot of interesting thoughts about about how it could be improved and stuff. I know um, Kyle Kalinske, who's a, a really savvy um, uh, YouTube kind of news reporter. He he believes that there should have been temporary uh, nationalizations of corporations that needed help yeah. because if we bail them out now they're probably going to need another bailout six months to a year. Right. Why not just nationalize them temporarily? And that way we can make sure that they're keeping their workers on, that we can, you know, because all of this help to these corporations aren't, aren't going to do much if, if they lay off workers and if workers can't pay their mortgages and if workers can't pay their bills, right? Oh, yeah, very true. Yeah. Well, so... Um just to shift gears a little bit, I mentioned obviously you uh, you are an avid reader. Um, just based on the sheer amount of stuff you know, you're one of the smartest guys I know. Um, and I'm wondering what are you getting into these days with uh, with regard to books? Well, with my uh, with my books right now. Yeah, where you at um, with that? Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it's uh, I don't know if you knew this, but I'm on a uh, Personally, just like my personal hobby, 
on my uh, uh, a journey. I was on a journey through the biographies of all the American presidents. <laughs> okay, no, um, I, I knew I had heard you talk <laughs> about some of them before, but I did not know that you were doing that. Yeah, yeah. Well, this explains your started, uh, knowledge. <laughs> well, and that's the thing is I, I don't know if I'm that smart, but I do read way too much. So that's uh, uh, I don't know if that that computes to intelligence, but I certainly have uh, way too much knowledge. <laughs> I get it. Yeah, I think it uh, does. So you know, yeah. Right now I'm on uh, uh, Kennedy. Okay. Um, which is a fascinating presidency. And, um, you know, I just, uh, it, it's great one that I finally got to Kennedy because now you can actually, you know, YouTube the speeches that you read about, right? Oh, Instead of yeah. just, uh, reading them on paper, right? You know, now it says, oh, Kennedy made this speech about peace at American university. You can actually look that up on YouTube. Just watch it. It's great. I mean, actually YouTube has a great collection of, you know, I just watched uh, Kennedy Nixon debates, 1960 this morning. (laughs) That's a great record. Nobody has given that recommendation yet. So that is the first. Yeah. yeah. Go back and watch the Nixon Kennedy debates. Well, and it's interesting to see like how similar some of the debates are to this day, right? To, you know, like Nixon and Kennedy are going back and forth about government involvement in the economy, et cetera, et cetera. And, and the interesting part is back in that day, you know, the Republicans were much more moderate on this government versus non-government intervention. Nixon is, he's not pretending to be a libertarian or anything like that. He's just you know, I guess he's counseling moderation when it comes to government intervention in the economy, right? So, right. You know, but it's interesting how, how similar the debates are to this day, you know? Yeah. Well, so, um, what, uh, any other, uh, is that the only one you're reading right now or you got any other book recommendations? Um, well, I am reading, let's see here. Um, I am reading a book called Death by a Thousand Cuts, which is about what's called a corporate campaign by unions against corporations. And and that book is kind of interesting because usually I read this kind of literature from the union perspective, but this is written by a corporate corporate, uh, HR kind of uh, uh, management person. And they are writing about union corporate campaigns from the corporate perspective. So that's pretty interesting. Okay. Um, And then there's another great book by uh, Jane McAlvey uh, called, I think it's Organizing for Power, uh, No Shortcuts, uh, Organizing for Power in the New Gilded Age, I believe it's called. And it's a great book. It's about about differing strategies for unions, kind of the top-down corporate campaign strategy of unions, and then more of the grassroots um, activist uh, style for unions, um, which would be very interesting, you know, as we come into this, maybe the teeth of a, a, of a depression, you know, certainly a recession, but maybe even a depression. Oh, yeah. Easily, I think. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's going to be interesting. Um, yeah, so I'm doing a lot of good reading. You got any... Uh, uh... Well, now, of course, I'm... 
Yeah, go, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, you got any good Netflix recommendations, too? Let's <laughs> see uh, here. Um, hmm. Well, you know, this is not political at all, but the... Uh, it's, it's okay to have non-political things wild. in your life. That's fine. You know. <laughs> the Tiger King is Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, how far are you into it? Oh, I finished it. I finished it in one day. Oh, in one it day. Like watching a, wow. uh, it's like watching a train wreck. You're like, I can't believe these people are real. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I saw somebody. Did you watch Game of Thrones? Yeah, oh, that was, uh, you know, I love fantasy, but I always felt that fantasy was done very poorly in movies and shows. And yeah. Game of Thrones was fantastic. Oh, I mean, yeah. good acting, good directing, so... Well, it Game got me into fantasy. Of all time. I'm I'm not like a fantasy guy, but I loved Game of Thrones, so it was I was I was one of the crossover people. But uh, anyways, well, I saw. There you go. That shows how good it is. You don't yeah. even like fantasy and Game of Thrones. Oh right, yeah. yeah, that was one of my favorite shows of all time. That was fantastic. I saw a meme though that somebody shared, and it was like. Uh, Tiger King is the white trash Game of Thrones version, basically. <laughs> and I was like, that is kind of true, it seems like. Just only two episodes in, so I gotta, I'm working my way through it, so. Oh, absolutely. The Machiavellian power struggles, it's, it's, it's the same, except for the white <laughs> trash version. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's oh, great. man. Um, well, I, um, I'm keeping these to around, you know, 25 30 minutes or so. Um, so I've already kind of burned through my time here and <laughs> I, um, I'm wondering though. You... Oh, I didn't realize that. I, I, I spent too much time talking history. If you, uh, if you ever need a part two, let me know. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> for sure. But no, I, um, I was going to say, you got any, uh, any more advice you would share on, uh, for people on like how to get through this, uh, pandemic or any other good recommendations? I mean, this is, I feel like this is the, uh, the, the time for the rise of, of, of uh, schedules and order and hobbies, right? You got to mm-hmm. make yourself a schedule, right? Um, and then bring back up those old hobbies that you quit. <laughs> if you're an avid reader, you better start reading again. If you play music, you better start playing again and um, try to do exercise every day and, um remember those big projects that you wanted to do and that you uh, got lost in work and, and all those other things and break them back out, you know? I think that's awesome advice. And I, I took that. I don't know if I told you this or not, but I've, I've built a tiny house. So. That, uh, that was all built in the uh, quarantine? Yeah, yeah. That's amazing. That's how you use your quarantine. Thank you, thank you. I was really proud of that's, myself. That's it took me that's about a week. Shame. I've just been reading some books in my uh, in my pajamas. That's <laughs> all I've been doing since. I mean, like, yeah. I I went out the other day just to put jeans on. Uh, well, I, I did put jeans on while I was running out to like the grocery or something, and I was like, wow, I feel so dressed up. This is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Oh. Oh, yeah, it feels good to get dressed up, huh? It does, yeah. It's nice. There there you go. There you go. Hey, are you going, uh, um, have you been out kayaking yet this year? Yeah, actually I did. I went uh, yesterday. Um, Me too. It was a beautiful day. 
Did you? Yeah. Where did you go? Uh, I'm. Well, tell me where you went first. <laughs> uh, uh, Mad River downtown. Nice. Okay. Cool. Yeah, I went. Yeah, that nice little stretch. Yeah. yeah, right. That's the one I like to do. Um, we were too afraid, so we went to Huffman Dam Lake. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Nice. You can make fun of me now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, it's all right. Uh, you know, it's funny. I uh, uh, I took uh, a couple people who've never been on that stretch, so they didn't really know about the little falls or rapids there. Oh. And I hadn't told them until we were, uh, you know, in 50 yards of it. And they were like, excuse me? <laughs> <laughs> was it and rough? Then, uh, oh, yeah, it was. It was absolutely. <laughs> so I said, you know, hey, don't do anything fancy. Just go straight over. And so we, uh, me and my girlfriend Sarah were in a canoe. And then uh, uh, her friend Sydney and uh, 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 her, her sister Sydney and her friend Maddie were in kayaks. And I said, just go straight over. And... Uh, so we went straight over, um, and and I showed him. I went first because I wanted to show him how it's done. Right. Yeah, <laughs> because they were, you know, uh, my girlfriend really had to not canoeing very much, so she really wasn't paddling, which was fine. But I think I went. I went too slow over the second one, uh-huh. so we dipped way down, and then a bunch of water got in the canoe. And uh-huh. you know, we, we've done that. We've done that a bunch of times, right? I've right. never tipped on it, but a bunch of water got in the canoe, and then. The water all sloshed to one side. The cooler sloshes to one side. And then we, we turn. We start turning in these rapids. And the water is still freezing cold right here. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, God. You know? And then sure enough, all, those, all the water goes to one side as we're turning over. And boom, we flip. No. So, oh, man. <laughs> absolutely. But it was fun after the fact. Uh, it was uh, pretty crazy for the, right there. But... Uh, it was, ter- it was uh, exciting now that I think about it. <laughs> yeah, that. definitely. It sounds like it. Hey, well, um, all right. Well, I am going to do one of these things here in a second. Have you have you seen those videos of people that do like a drive-by birthday party thing where there's like somebody who's, it's their birthday and then people just drive by in cars? No, 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 no. I haven't heard that. That's, that's kind of awesome. So oh, yeah. you just kind of like circle the block and drive by. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I got a friend where I'm, I'm supposed to do that here in like 20 minutes. So I, I, I need to go do that. But um, I appreciate you uh, taking the time to, to talk with me and share some of your book recommendations and, and everything with us. So thank you very much. Absolutely. Anytime. All right. Take it easy. You too. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. All right, that was my friend Casey, and uh, clearly a smart dude who um, has a lot of great book recommendations. Definitely check out uh, the Kennedys, uh, or check out uh, the book on Kennedy, and um, I uh, hope that you enjoyed listening, and um, stay safe out there, and I think that was some great advice to, you know, just pick out an old hobby or something that you used to like to do, and do that. I know that I've been talking about doing a tiny house for about a decade, and so it was kind of nice that I actually had some time to do it. And so I've been grateful for that. Um, I hope that uh, people are staying safe. And until next time, take care. Take care.